0: You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good morning to everybody, and welcome to the Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary
1: Byron. Rob, great to see you there. Great Mike. to see you this morning, Gary. How's it going? You know, I tell
0: you, brother, I, I still, I'm still, i still looking for houses, but I thought of a new dilemma. Okay. I'm sure you've heard of this. How do I time it right? Let's say I sell my house before I close on the house that I'm buying. Buying. Where do I go? Where More importantly, not even so much work. can I go. I have friends and I have family that can hold me up for mm-hmm. whatever, a couple, okay. weeks, a couple weeks whatever. Where do all my belongings storage, go? Like, in a In one of those pods you or something? You could do a pod.
1: I mean, I had this happen to me years ago. Actually, when I was buying my first home, I was getting out of college, had graduated, was leaving my rental there. And I bought this home in North Carolina to move to, but I had like this couple months period, where I was going to have to go back home and live at home. So I put my stuff in a self-storage unit. That's what you're going to have to do. Stay with family and put your stuff in a self storage unit. Um, couple hundred bucks a month, you know, for a unit. You can choose whether you want temperature controlled or not. If you have nice furniture, I highly, highly recommend temperature controlled. It's worth the extra money. Where do
0: they store the pods? Though? Where do they? Where well, do they? Well, I don't. I mean, the pods. In a, in a I don't
1: know about the pod company because that's one specific storage company. I they have a facility where they store those, but. I'm talking about just a regular self-storage, the ones you see on the side of the road where you have a bay that you can load your stuff into. Um, So I actually had my personal belongings in a self-storage for at one time just a few months, and it was fine. And then I had some stuff in self-storage for over two years Um, And it was fine, too. But again, I had temperature controlled. I had hired a company that spent extra time saran wrapping the furniture, saran wrapping the electronics. So it took some extra um, thought. But, you know, it's worth hiring like a good moving company to help facilitate that. Search around, shop around a little bit for the uh, top-rated self-storage places, that sort of thing. That's what you're going to have to do if you can't time it perfectly. I'm happy to say most of my clients are able to make that transition. I just had one yesterday, actually. It closed on uh, – they sold their home in the morning. It closed at like 10 a.m., and they bought their new home that afternoon around 1 p.m. So they were able to easily transition in the same day. That takes a great realtor. That takes a great mortgage advisor. You know, that just takes a lot of good stuff going on in a good team.
0: Was that a short sale?
1: It wasn't a short sale. It was a um, – A distress sale, so there was – like they were behind on the mortgage and they did have to get out of the house. It wasn't yet in foreclosure at the point where the bank was coming after them. But let's just say they weren't willing to do a lot of repairs and work on the house. I
0: imagine cash is king also. If you say this is going to be a cash purchase.
1: Cash is always king, (laughs) yeah. But the next best thing to cash is a conventional mortgage. So – you know, most people nowadays still do need to get a mortgage to buy a home. Okay. That's for sure. And there's a lot of different mortgages. You know, we've talked about it, we've dived into some on the show, and that's today's topic. Actually, here. I, all
0: right. So I heard of something called. Uh, and, and this, I'm sure you're going to know what this is. I never heard of this. It's, it's a DSCR mortgage. What, yeah. what,
1: what is it? What, so what does DS, that stand for? DSCR mortgage. So what it stands for is debt service coverage ratio, DSCR. Hmm. Basically what it's all about and how it differs from a regular mortgage that you've heard of before is – The DSCR loan uses the net operating income. So it uses the property's income to qualify instead of the personal income. So let me step back for a second so it all makes sense. So when you're getting a conventional mortgage, an FHA loan, a VA, USDA, reverse mortgage, really any type of mortgage that we've talked about previously on the show, you really do, other than a non-qualified mortgage, you do need to show your income. So we're going to need to show your tax returns. If you own a business, how much profit did you make? We're going to have to show your W-2s and your pay stubs if you have a job. Like, what do you make at that job? And all of that needs to support the new mortgage that you're going to get. A lot of people had issues with this over the last couple of years. Um, The reason is because, I mean, number one, during COVID, a lot of businesses and just a lot of people in general had a reduction in income. So now they want to go and invest in a property or refinance and they weren't able to do it because they didn't qualify because their income, maybe you had a blip where you weren't working or you were on reduced pay or furlough or whatever it may be. So that was an issue. But the the commercial loan industry for decades has had this DSCR or this net operating income type of loan where they just look at what is the property make an income. What is the cash flow that's going to come in versus what are the expenses? What's the new mortgage going to be? The taxes, insurance. And as long as the income is more than the expense, <laughs> they would give you the loan. It seems so simple. But for years, no one really messed around with these in the residential world. It was really only on the commercial side that these had been being used. And now all of a sudden in the last, I would really say the last couple of years, they've come back in vogue because it's demand. People have demanded these. And I've seen some crazy scenarios where you can even use some of these types of loans to get owner occupied loans, but for the most part, it's going to be for investors. What's the minimum buying- you need down? Minimum down on these is typically going to be like, I would say, 15 to 20%. If you have excellent credit, more than usual, though, it's going to be like 20 to 25% down. Okay. That's pretty typical. So you're not getting one of these DSCR loans doing like a first-time buyer program. Those are absolutely not going to happen because usually you can't even use those on an owner-occupied home at all. Um, and, you know, these loans, the credit score, we'll talk in more depth, but you, you can't have low credit for these. You uh, can't be a 580 type. Sir, of So there are
0: ways that it differs from other types of mortgages.
1: Yeah, yeah. It differs in a big way because, like I said, they're not even going to look at your tax return. So the fact that maybe you had a loss in your business or you didn't show much income from your job or you were laid off or any of that, like that doesn't even come into play on a and That's not even factored in. That's why these have become in such demand lately because most people don't know about them. The ones that have are the smart investors. Um, And I've really only recently, even though I've had access to them, I've only really started offering these to my clients over the last year, year and a half because I wasn't familiar with them. I wasn't. Uh, proficient and fluent in these type of loans. Now I've got a handful under my belt that we've done from start to finish and closed. I know the investors. I know the guidelines. Now I'm comfortable being able to navigate this for my clients. I never want anyone to be a guinea pig.
0: So how is DSCR used in the underwriting process?
1: Yes. Yeah, so DSCR is used in the underwriting process from the standpoint of the ability to repay. So this law came out many years back, to circumvent like stated income loans and these loans where you didn't have to show any income. And they added on this thing called ATR. It stands for ability to repay. So basically the government came in and said, look, we don't want you making the loans to people without verifying that they can repay the loans because so many people got into trouble in the last housing crisis with these stated income or limited income loans. So the government wanted to ensure that these loans that people were making or that banks were making could actually get repaid and we weren't setting people up for disaster or uh, a major financial issue. So the ability to repay is how are you going to be able to repay this loan? Well, on a DSCR loan, we're getting an appraisal that's going to have an income report in there of what the property's income is going to be. And in most cases... Generally speaking, if the income from the property is higher than what the expenses of the property are, mortgage, tax, insurance, and whatnot, Uh then the loan qualifies for one of these DSCR loans. So it's very simple to compare for an underwriter what's the – expense of the property versus what's the income. And if it meets those, then it qualifies from the standpoint of the ability to repay. The ability to repay on these loans is the rental income that you're going to receive, Mm -hmm. not your personal income, not your business income, not all these other things that trip people up so much.
0: That's what they're strictly looking at. Yeah. And really, it makes sense when you think about it. But there's got to be some I don't know, typical requirements for borrowers. Yes. Are, they're looking to qualify for this mortgage.
1: Yeah. So, the DSCR loan, it sounds so great. And you're probably listening yeah. as maybe an upcoming <laughs> investor looking to buy another property and, and going, wow, this is like perfect. This sounds great. But what are the requirements? Like, do, will this even work for you? Because it won't work for everyone. So, first of all, the minimum amount of coverage that the property is going to have on the mortgage. So, like we were talking about, having a property that's going to generate enough income to offset the expense of the mortgage and all that. Depending on the program, it can be anywhere from 100%. So that means that the mortgage needs to be less than the income of the property, the mortgage tax insurance. There are some lenders that offer a bit competitive, more competitive programs with these. They'll require that the mortgage tax insurance and all that, the income has to be 120% of that. So they want to see a little bit more of a buffer there, right? So that's what they're looking at as far as that ability to repay. The next thing is credit score. You're not getting one of these DSCR loans with a 580 score, or a 600 score, or even a 610. Like maybe you could one of these other types of loans like an FHA or VA, uh, that sort of loan for an owner-occupied home. DSCR, you're talking about a minimum credit score that I've seen in the 640 to 660 range. So if you're lower than a 640, getting one of these loans at all is going to be next to impossible, at least right now. I would tell you my average borrower that takes these loans is in like the upper 600. So like a 680, 690, 700, that's probably the average, but there are programs available down to that 640 range. And the last thing is the maximums on what you're going to be able to borrow. So you were talking about down payment amounts. So on these loans, be prepared and ready to put 20 to 25% down. If you have like impeccable credit and some other compensating factors, you might be able to squeeze in at 15% down, but Generally, 20 to 25% down. Multifamily homes are going to be closer to that 25%. Maybe on a single family, you could squeeze out just putting 20% down. So those are the general requirements that you want to be aware of when you're looking at getting this type of mortgage.
0: As for the interest rate, how does the DSCR affect the interest rate on a mortgage?
1: Yeah, so I want to spend a second and really step back to talk about the rate because people get so wrapped up in the interest rate on these loans. So understand that a regular mortgage like a conventional or government backed loan you're getting the prime or the primo prime rate right so you're getting the best rate you can get in the market on those loans the reason why is because the government is basically backstopping the loan so if you don't pay back a VA loan The government has a mortgage insurance fund. The VA, I should say, has this insurance fund to help make the lender whole. That's why they can give you such a low down payment. In many cases, no down payment. That's why they can give you this below market rate is because of that government backing, that government guarantee. Same thing with conventional mortgages. They have this guarantee of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So you're getting this ultra low rate. Even in today's environment, those rates are insanely low. The best in the market. But now you shift gears to one of these loans we're talking about, a DSCR loan, or a loan where they're not verifying your income. So if I were to ask you, is that a higher risk loan or a lower risk loan than somebody that's showing their tax return? Of course, it's a higher risk loan. Higher risk loan means higher interest rates going to be charged. And it's higher risk for a lot of reasons. But let's be simple and just say it's because they're not verifying your income, right? So you're going to pay a higher rate on a DSCR loan than you are on any other type of loan. Uh, I've found usually around two percent, two and a half percent, depending on your credit and all the variables. But like if the going rate on a FHA loan or maybe even a conventional loan is let's say six and a quarter percent, you can expect that these DSCR loans are going to be like eight and a quarter, eight and a half, maybe even approaching nine percent. That is your price of admission when you're getting a mortgage with no income verification like this. Your investor that's making the mortgage is taking a big risk. They really are. are. So they deserve to get compensated more. Don't get worried about the rate because understand that this is not usually going to be a long-term mortgage. This is going to be something you're only going to keep for a couple of years with an ultimate exit strategy of either selling the house or refinancing when the terms are more favorable. But here's the great thing about DSCR is from an investment standpoint, if it cash flows, if you can get a mortgage at 8%, 9% and your tenant's paying you more in rent than that mortgage is costing with the taxes and everything, well then imagine once you can refi that loan down to 5%, 6 7%, how much more are you going to cash flow then? So I I think from that standpoint, it almost sets you up for success because if you're cash flowing at a high rate, then you know when the rates go down and you can refi, you're going to really do well. You're going to increase your cash flow. You're going to have a good investment. on. Your I yeah, but okay,
0: but give me an example of how a, a DSCR loan can, can be used like in a real, real world, world. Yeah. scenario here.
1: So, I, I mean, I, I can think of a couple lately, but I'll tell you like just one I see all the time is I have a client come to me that has a business. They own a business. I have one in particular. He owns a jewelry business. Doesn't show a lot of income on paper. There's just not a lot of money going in and staying in his bank account. Maybe he's doing some cash business or he's just got other ways of of where they're putting the funds. So he doesn't really show a lot, but he owns a couple properties. So he's got rental income and his tax returns, not only do they show a lot of income, but they're very complicated, like hundreds of pages of different investments and different stuff he has. So he wants to go get another mortgage to buy a new property to expand his portfolio. He can either try to go through a regular conventional loan, but that won't work because he doesn't show enough income, or he can use one of these DSCR, net operating income type of loans. Completely get around showing the tax return. It's really just what's your credit score and how much are you putting down? Do you meet the criteria? Does the property meet the criteria? So it can really... Completely change the game when it comes to closing because you can close on these loans very quick because there's such little paperwork involved versus a typical loan. So that's a huge one. And I've seen these loans used over and over by investors that maybe they've over leveraged a bit. They've got now three, four, five properties, but they're not yet showing the income to back up all the mortgages that they've taken. DSCR is the perfect in-between to help you expand your portfolio because a lot of the issues you're going to have on a conventional loan when buying an investment property, those issues completely go away. When it comes to the DSCR loan. So that's a big one. And these loans have been used for decades, Gary, when it comes to commercial properties. So when somebody was buying like a strip mall with 10 or 15 units, they're not looking at their personal tax return of can they afford the mortgage? No, they're looking at the income of the property. The DSCR loan takes that makes sense, that common sense underwriting, and puts it on a real estate investor that's buying maybe a single family home or a two or three or four-unit property, and they can apply that same thing there. And it's just opened up this huge opportunity for investors that felt they were shut out, and now they're not. Now they have this availability. And like I said, you got to make sure the numbers pencil, but if they pencil at the high interest of the DSCR loan, then you know they're going to pencil at a lower rate down the road. So then
0: how does the DSCR change for, let's say, an adjustable rate mortgage, let's say, versus you know, uh, a fixed rate.
1: Right. So the DSCR, like I said, is looking at what the actual mortgage payment's going to be combined with the property taxes, the insurance and all that. So when I show my clients the DSCR loan, I'll usually show them a few different options. There are some more exotic type of uh, loans available in the DSCR world. I'm talking about there are like three-year adjustable rate loans, something that wouldn't commonly be taken on the you know, residential or primary home route. Um, There's also interest only loans. So on an interest only loan, the payment only covers the interest on the mortgage. And that can be dangerous for someone that doesn't know what they're doing. But for an astute real estate investor, interest only loans are one of the best loans for increasing cash flow. So by having an adjustable rate versus a fixed rate, it actually in a lot of cases can help qualify easier for one of these DSCR loans, because historically speaking, the interest rate and the payment on the adjustable rate loan could actually be a lower payment and therefore easier to qualify for than it would be on the fixed rate side, like the generic 30-year fix, 20-year fix, that sort of thing. Sure.
0: Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can contact Rob at 860 413 3938, I'll give you all of this, points of contact, including that phone number, again, more towards the end of the show. Rob, are there any specific industries or maybe even property types that typically use DSCR mortgages?
1: Yeah, so the really the main people that are going to be using this are going to be real estate investors. Now, you might be a first-time real estate investor where you own a home and you're buying your first property. That might be a great route to go for a DSCR loan. Me personally, I always look at conventional loan first because it's lower cost. But for many, that's not going to be a potential option. You may be immediately shut out. That doesn't mean you can't do it. That means that we need to just shift and look at this other loan product. So, um, you know, first time investors, this is great for. As far as property types, single family residential homes that you're going to buy like a single unit and rent it out, multi family. So we might be talking about two, three, or four family homes. Um, DSCR loans are a little bit more creative and the type of properties that they'll use. I have seen them do like five or six unit properties, whereas like a conventional loan won't touch anything like that. I've seen mixed use in many cases that they'll look at. So, um, you know, investment properties in general can be good. And the other industry or the other part of real estate that these have been used, as I said, a few times now for many years is on the commercial level. So if you're buying like a apartment building, maybe it's 50 units, right? They're going to use a DSCR calculation when underwriting your loan. Maybe you're buying a strip mall, you're buying an office building, um, really anything like that you're buying a car wash or one of these uh you know income generating buildings that's the type of property that a dscr loan is really gonna work well for and commercial properties like I said this has been Well, used for many years. It's only in the last couple of years that the residential properties, the investment properties, multifamily has really dove in and started using these. The harder that it gets to qualify for conventional mortgages, the more in vogue you're going to see these DSCR loans. And I'm seeing these just really come to fruition for a lot of people that thought they were shut out. Now they know about this program. Now they're able to expand their portfolio. Now they're able to get that first property under their belt, whereas they didn't even think it was possible before.
0: Speak to any, I don't know, potential drawbacks maybe or challenges uh, associated Mm -hmm. with a DSCR mortgage.
1: Yeah, so there are definitely some major drawbacks to a DSCR loan. There are. And I think this wouldn't be the show that it is about educating and giving you guys the knowledge that you need to make good financial decisions if we didn't really dive in and talk about – the negatives on the DSCR loans. We've really talked about why they're yeah. so great, but why aren't they great? That's why I
0: asked. I mean, I would imagine the interest rate's higher.
1: That's that's the number one thing. Yeah. What's the number one drawback is gonna be the higher interest rate. So we, we need to consider that. And you know, we've talked about looking at rates of return and things. The DSCR loan is gonna be no different than another. But if your mortgage rate is gonna be, let's say, 9%, but your return on investment. Is gonna be 10, 11, 12%. Then is that 9% mortgage such a bad thing? And you really gotta step back and think about that because it's sticker shock. If you've gotten a mortgage or know someone that's gotten one in the last couple of years and they've got a mortgage rate that rhymes with a two, a three, maybe a four, and then we're talking about rates that are like double that, eight, nine plus. But these are business purpose loans. These are for people that understand money and understand investment and forget the rate for a second. The rate could be 15%. What's your return? Is it a good deal? Are you getting and buying a property at a good price where the property is going to cash flow? Whether the rate is 5, 10, or 15, if it's going to cash flow, is it a good investment? That's a decision you have to make and the higher rate definitely plays in with that. The next thing is going to be reserve requirements. So something that is required on pretty much all investment property loans, no matter what type, is going to be this reserve that you have. We've talked about this in other shows, but no matter who's getting your loan or what type of loan you're getting, the investors want to know that you've got reserve available. They want to know that if the tenant doesn't pay that more or doesn't pay that rent, If they stiff you on rent on the first of the month, are you going to be able to make your mortgage payment when it comes to that being due? Most mortgages, it's late on the 15th. So do you have money to pull from 401k, cash value life insurance, an IRA, like a savings account somewhere? Do you have reserves available? You need reserves to qualify for any investment property loan typically, but more so you need reserves on these DSCR loans typically six months of reserve. What does that mean? Your new mortgage payment, tax and insurance multiplied by six months. That's usually going to be a starting point of what they're going to want for reserve. I've seen exceptions and I've gotten exceptions for my clients with as little as three months. I've also seen the uh, requirement go as much as 12 months of reserve. So you can't just buy these properties and use every dime you have to get in. You've got to have a financial backstop there. So that's important. Um, Primary home, you got to have a primary home expense. I had someone try to get one of these that was living with their parents very difficult to impossible. You have to have some sort of primary home expense, whether it's that you rent a property or that you own a property. There has to be a primary home expense. And the last last real disadvantage is going to be these are not loans that are backed by the government. So there's going to be one-off conditions. The investors make the rules. The saying goes, he who has the gold makes the rules. Well, the investor has the gold. They have your money. They're going to make the rules. And the negative to that is You might be halfway into the process and they might change the rules on you. They might ask for additional things. They have every right to do that. You're not going to see that as much on the other types of loans. These, there's not. I mean, the guidelines are always shifting. They're so flexible. You can get thrown a curveball. That's why you need a mortgage advisor that has done these, that's experienced with these, that can help you navigate the waters through these. So, Rob,
0: final question in your opinion now. What do you think the future of the DSCR mortgage is, especially in this current market?
1: Yeah, I think the future, I think the mortgage industry, the future of the industry is in DSCR type of loans, because as things shift, more people are doing side gigs, more people are doing online businesses, more people like it or don't like it. They're getting money off the table, so to speak. They're not showing all their income
0: under the table, you mean?
1: Right. Well, yeah, their money's not on top of the table. Right. It's under. So these are the loans. These are the solutions for these people. These are the loans that have replaced now the stated income loans, the no income loans, the no asset loans. These have come in and kind of saved the day with that because for years, for really decades – nobody would do any sort of lending on this. They wouldn't. And a lot of these investors have been shut out of the of the real estate market for years, or like I said, a decade plus. Now they're able to come back in. Now they're able to get deals. Now they're able to get financing. Yes, you need a big down payment. Yes, you need to have a little bit better credit. But these are opportunities that simply weren't there. And I think the more people that embrace these, as we're seeing significantly over the last six to 12 months, I think as we see more adoption, We're going to see more and more lenders offering these. Uh, The other thing is innovation. So we did a whole show about innovation in the mortgage industry. And this is one of the areas where I think we're going to see a lot of innovation. There's so much demand for new mortgage products. There's so much demand for alternatives to the status quo. Mm. And for all these years and really a couple decades now – the people running the mortgage industry have been Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, and these government-sponsored entities. Well, these government entities don't cater to investors. They don't want investors. They don't want you making money. Why would you partner with someone like that? Why would you partner with an organization that's trying to hold you back? These loans are to help spur innovation these loans are to help spur money and profit and help people expand their portfolios help the economy expand that's what it's all about That's where these loans come in. That's why I think we're going to just see these explode and we're going to see more and more of these types and even some more exotic features in these type of loans. Maybe some loans that come along that are a little bit different guidelines that allow even more people to qualify. Lower credit score requirements, lower down payment requirements, that sort of thing is coming. We just don't know when.
0: Fascinating. I almost wonder what what took so long. It sounds like I mean it sounds like the commercial real estate investor has had this little known secret for years and yep. now you can only now lately. Well, what's taken to... so
1: long is the foreclosure crisis, the oh. last housing crisis. You know, so many people buying the homes with these no income type of loans got foreclosed on. Investors lost money and they get scared when that happens, especially in the masses. So they've been very very weary to come back, but you know what? It happens, And it's far enough behind us now that they're starting to get more of an appetite for risk. And these loans are higher risk. So it fits right in with that.
0: Folks, uh, if you like more information, I would say here, do this. Start at Rob's website. It's www.RobGW.com. It's that simple. Now, if you want to send them in an email. Uh, by the way, if you've got a question for this show, maybe we can get it answered right here on these very airwaves as soon as even next weekend. It's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at Gmail in the phone number, why wouldn't you want to call and make an appointment with Rob himself? All right, 860-413-3938. One more time, I'll slow it down. Ready? Write it down right now. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday, have a good one, everybody so long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting
1: www.robgw.com.